You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. Pretty much every time I get out on the tennis courts, I ask my opponent the following question. I asked them, are, are you the grunting type? And I, I mean that because I know when I play tennis, you know, that, that I just do what, my thing. I do what I need to do, you know? The ball's coming, ah, ooh, ooh you, you, know, you know the noises that you hear? Those awkward sound, sounds you hear when you play tennis. So, you know, I'm one of those guys. I'm a, I'm a grunter, and I, I, I'm just always curious if my opponent, if they're if they're grunters as well, I did I did research on this topic about grunting in tennis, and I came across fascinating fascinating uh, research studies that were done by scientists, uh, and in you know the science and it goes a couple a couple of different ways. First of all, um, scientists, and for the focus of really what I want to discuss. Is, is is this point that scientists have established a clear link between grunting and power. Studies have shown that when someone makes that noise, that grunting sound, and by the way, how loud is that sound? It could get up, you know, there's certain professional athletes that have been recorded on a decibel level for up to about 90 to, to even past 100 um, first of all, it's known that women are women tennis players grunt more than men. That's just a fact. Um, but the loudest one was over a hundred decibels. That's about as loud as a chainsaw, um, a motorcycle. Think about that, cuff. So it's 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 just kind of crazy. But then you think about why 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 specifically when it comes to tennis, why do people grunt? So so scientists established there, there's this connection between power. And grunting, and when somebody makes that grunting noise, they hit their ground stroke 3.8% faster than those who stay silent. Not only that, specifically when it comes to serving, grunters serve 4.9% faster than players who are quiet. It's known that it has phys- physiological, psychological effects. In fact, I've seen um, studies that show also how uh, g- people who grunt very often, it's timed that you grunt the same exact time that you hit the exact same moment that you hit the ball. So it's a way to kind of calibrate when you're hitting the ball. There's a fascinating um a component to this that although it provides you the offensive player with more power grunting is known to distract the opponent as well because part of uh, playing tennis is seeing and hearing rather how hard the ball comes off your opponent so when your opponent grunts he's masking that sound of his racket hitting the ball so it actually distracts you as the defender who's now going to become on the offensive but it actually distracts you um, and it's this is one of the big debates in the tennis world is that you know should really loud grunting be allowed and in fact there have been cases where the uh, officials have, you know, have have flagged somebody for grunting too loud. Uh, but I did think this was interesting because 
happens to be, you know, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Chukas. Zos Chukas Satira, it's talking about the Paraduma. And one of the fascinating insights and ideas about the Paraduma is that it goes both ways. The same action that is mitaher somebody, it actually is mitame somebody else. The same action that, right, with the sprinkling of the ashes, it's mitaher asatameim and it's mitami asatahorim. Just by doing one thing, you could positively inf- impact someone, but yet negatively impact someone else. And this, I, th- I thought this grunting by tennis is a really good analogy for this because it really has this duality, this double-edged sword, where on one hand it offers, yeah, it offers one hand the positive, offers the, the, it offers you as the, as the, you know, the, the one hitting the ball. It offers you that sense of power, but the same that same exact action is actually causing distraction for the opponent. It's causing a negative to someone else, and it's this double-edged sword, which is the you know like the paraduma, which goes both ways. The ashes, the sprinkling, it's mitamar and mitaher and mitami the tahorim, and we have this duality within our very own being, and we have a yitzhar and we have a yitzhar tov, and it's you know we view ourselves we're just hey we're just one right because we are housed in one goof and one body but we have this duality about us where we can impact two separate worlds we can impact two, two certain things we can talk but the way we talk can have can hurt somebody or can lift us up and we can think about someone and it could lift something it could lift up my own mind or it could put me down and it, it really has this double-edged sword this double this double-edged component um, I want to share with you a vart from the Noam Elimelech. The Noam Elimelech of Elimelech from Lezhinsk. He offers a profound insight on the Paraduma and it, how it teaches us a lesson in our service of Hashem. We know that the ashes of the Paraduma, like we said, were mitahar the Temeim. It made pure that which was impure. And at the same time, it was mitami the Tahom. It made impure that which was pure. In other words, the very same ashes impurified and purified two different people at the same time. It's this contradiction that is what really establishes the Paraduma as the quintessential chok, something that we don't fully grasp, something that we don't fully understand. But the Nomeli Melech says something absolutely amazing. Homiletically, he says, if a person considers himself Tameh, in the sense of, what does that mean I'm Tameh? That I'm Tameh, I'm not good enough, I can be better. Yesterday I did that, but today I can change and be so much more. That Then you know what that type of person is? Somebody who considers himself Tameh in the sense that I really have more in my life to improve, I have space in my life to become better, then that person is truthfully tar because he's living in reality. It's a what we would call growth consciousness. And it's that uh, you know that realization and having that psychological influence on oneself, saying that I am subject to change and I can improve a little bit each day. On the flip side, if a person considers himself tahar in the sense that hey, I'm tahar, I'm pure, I'm perfect, I'm just fine where I am, I don't need to change anything, let everything just stay as is, 
then in truth that person is really tame. Why? Because complacency and an attitude of not wanting to change and develop and to ready, set, grow. If I could do a shameless plug to my new book, right? If someone is not wanting to change, it, he's fundamentally disregarding the importance of the potential for life as well as life itself. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to achieve. We're supposed to do more. But the way the Noam Ali Malach is wording it is that it comes, we have to have a mindset that to a certain degree, I'm tame. I'm not perfect. I have room to improve. And that will make a person run away from complacency. That will make a person have this growth consciences, conscious, excuse me, he'll have a growth consciousness to achieve more and grow more and do more and be more. And if you'll notice, the Torah says, So what's this word, lemar? Um, right? After all, why does the Torah say lemar? It says, You're going to speak about it to the to people. Well, how come it also says lemar? It seems... Um, you know, redundant. So the Noam Melech says that each and every day of our lives must be a new Lamar. Lamar is a saying, it's an expression of who we are, of what we are. And every single day has to be a new Lamar, a new expression of our Vodas Hashem. Each day we're meant to change and grow a little bit closer to Hashem. So if we could go back to that one of those, the first analogies that we said regarding the grunting in tennis, that when a person grunts and he lets out that ah every time he hits the ball, it's known based on science, based on facts, and just go ahead, try it. It'll, you'll see in your performance, you'll hit the ball that much harder when you grunt. And it's the same thing in life when we grunt, when we put a little bit of more oomph, right? The difference between try and triumph is a little bit of oomph. When we put a little bit more muscle, a little bit more power, power, a little bit more energy to what it is we're doing. When we grunt in our Yiddishkeit, in our Vodas Hashem, in a good way, in a positive way, then we're going to see tremendous results. And it, it, what's interesting, I was thinking about a grunt, is that a human physically, he can't grunt all the time. Well, so why don't you say, just do a cut from the time you start playing tennis until you end, an hour and a half, whatever it is. Just grunt, do one elongated grunt the whole time, right? But that's not possible. The nature of a grunt is that it's short, it spurts. And that's like kind of us and inspiration. It's this short burst of energy. It might be hard to do a constant grunt where you're, you know, living with that 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 constant energy. You know, I mean, to Shem, maybe we could get to that level, but it has to start from a grunt. It has to start from that spurt, that focus point of energy of whatever it is I'm doing, whether I want that to, to, to channel that energy in my learning, in my davening, in my relationships, in the way I talk to people, in the way I think about people, and what I look at. To, to use that grunt mindset and put a little bit of energy and focus that um, into certain areas of our divine service of the Almighty, then each and every day, hopefully, will be Zohar to live like the Noam Ali Melech said, that each and every day will be a new Lamar, a new expression of vitality, a new expression of our service of the divine. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to another episode of the Torah Sparks podcast. If you enjoy this con- content, please rate, please review. And with that, Mir Tushem, we'll see you next week.